Sweet Caroline, bum bum bum, we're the greatest drafting team ever. We got a franchise quarterback for the first time in 12 years. We did, we did, short king. Bryce Young is the GOAT. He's the reincarnation of Tom Brady, even though he isn't dead. I hope he doesn't unretire because Bryce Young is the GOAT. It's finally over. You can all stop arguing about who we're going to pick. You can all start arguing about who we picked. And I just am super excited to be a Panthers fan right now. We are on the come up. First round, Bryce Young might be a bust. I don't care. Jonathan Mingo, second round, might be a bust. I don't care. Third round, DJ Johnson. Everybody hates him. I don't care. Chandler Zavala, fourth round, North Carolina native. Technically not, but he went to school at NC State. Fifth round, Jamie Robinson, a dog. A dog. Get excited. The future is here, Panthers fans. Next year, we won't have a pick in the first 63. And I don't think we'll be trading up. So just get ready to sit on your hands all next year. Because we are going to the Super Bowl. Just kidding. NFC Divisional Round is probably our ceiling. Because we are not as good as the Eagles or the Niners. But a man can dream. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Trent Hilfer won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning and his corpse won a Super Bowl. So, I think that we can do it. But, all jokes aside, I hope you're all excited about the draft this weekend. And I hope that you all can get over the third round pick that everyone is all grumpy about. Let's talk about the first round pick that everyone loves. So, Bryce Young, 1.1 easy decision. We've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And at the end of the day, you got to love this guy. You got to root for this guy. The jersey is already bought. It's just a matter of what number it's going to be when it gets to my house. Size medium. Thank you very much. They really shouldn't make Bryce Young jerseys any bigger than that because he himself probably wears a medium. I'm taller than he is and I'm not that tall. So I think that I might actually be wearing a replica Bryce Young jersey. Can a man get an autograph, Bryce? Please. Mail me an autograph. So I'm excited about the first round pick. Obviously, that is something that everyone pretty much predicted outside of those who just wanted to get clicks or just wanted to add to the debate. I get it. That's fine. But it is here and it is Bryce. The future is bright. Get it? Bright, Bryce. Sunglasses. Future so Bryce. Gotta wear shades. I digress. All I'm saying is, I am excited to finally have a quarterback that I'm excited about. And you hear him on his interviews. Oh my God, he's so articulate. He's so well-spoken. He is like a therapist. He's just like a little public speaker. It's like he's been trained. And the best part is, we know he's not going to be a bust because he's out partying. He doesn't even have a girlfriend. Nothing wrong with having a girlfriend, but I ain't even seen a woman or another friend in his life. All I've seen was his parents. We're about to get a homely, nice little hobbit. A little hobbit for our Charlotte city. A nice, boring man who could possibly be in the finance realm. He, you could just see him walking down the street. You say, is he working at Wells Fargo or is he the franchise quarterback? It could be either because this man 
is on another level with the articulateness, with the well-spokenness, with the uncomfortableness in front of a screaming crowd when he doesn't have his pads on. I mean, just everything you want, intangibly speaking, as far as all this extra stuff goes, in the same franchise who has LaMelo Ball damn near killing someone every time he drives his exotic car down the street. Whereas you have Bryce Young, who's flying on a plane to Bank of America with his parents and saying that his locker is spacious. So, you know, if you like your stars boring, which I personally do, then I am excited about this pick. Um, you know, it has the same vibe as Cam Newton. Yes, you know what you're going to say if Cam Newton wasn't boring. That's not what I mean. You know, Cam Newton really didn't get into an all, a lot of off-the-field issues. You never really hear anything like that about Cam. So, you know, it's nice to get that consistency with the quarterback. And also, he's been paid. So we're not going to see any huge, like, money craziness because he has been paid. Like, he's he got a million dollars before he even walked into college. I know he's going to be getting a lot more money than that. I think over the course of his first contract is going to be about $40 million, which is nothing to scoff at. Um, but I think that it's going to fare him well, having already been paid. And then we've got Jonathan Mingo in the second round. I did not see that coming at all. Okay, I said defense all the way. Defense, defense, defense. So I was saying cornerback. If they don't go cornerback, defensive end. And like everyone else is mocking them defensive end. And I said that sounds nice. But I really think it's going to be a cornerback. And it was not. It was a wide receiver. We went a lot more offense in this draft than I anticipated. Especially considering all those free agency pickups. We picked up... Uh, two wide receivers, a running back, a tight end, um, some other pieces along the way. But, you know, I'm not the GM. So, and I really like Jonathan Mingo, 6'2", 220, a beast. He wasn't the most productive receiver on his own team, and he did only have one productive season. But also, he was splitting with that guy, and they almost both had 1,000 yards. They were both in the top seven receiving yards in at Ole Miss so you know I'm not upset about it and there's kind of a stigma that says like Scott Fitter only brings on guys who well he values physical traits over college production but I mean Bryce Young was a Heisman Trophy winner it doesn't get much more productive than that Jonathan Mingo had like 750 yards last season so I'm not against that and then third round, kind of fell back into that. This guy wasn't that productive in college, but he is a freakish athlete. But also, he's been in school for five years. So that's kind of like the, does he have potential or did he just not pan out? When does potential end and lack of production begin for a guy with all those physical traits? Usually when you see a guy who's like, that athletic freak, he's only been in school for two years and maybe he played basketball or something the first year and he's got those athletic traits. Maybe he transferred in from JUCO or something to big college. But he's been, I think he's been at, I don't know if it was Oregon or not, but he played offense and defense. He wasn't even full-time defense until I think this year. So that's something to consider too, this athletic freak who were depending on him being a high motor, high potential, athletic, freakish guy did not produce in college at all. After four, maybe five years, he's almost he's twenty four and a half right now, so he's not young either. So he didn't produce, and he's not young, and he's an athletic freak. Usually, if you got that athletic freak with the untapped potential, 
you know, i.e. Uh, like a Giannis or something like that, compared to basketball. I can't think of a football guy, maybe Josh Allen. Um, then, you know, usually they're at least young, so you have time to develop them into that that crazy high potential. But this guy is almost 20. He'll be almost 25 when the season starts, and he still hasn't reached his potential. Is he going to? I don't know. This is going to be the pick where it kind of determines if our front office knows better than the fans. So, you know, there's all those other picks we pretty much agree on. I think that everyone liked the Bryce Young pick. Most people liked the Jonathan Mingo pick. I mean, I don't think necessarily it was the position that I wanted or that other people wanted. But, you know, I think that it's important to remember that the front office has information we don't have. And, um, you know, at this point, we can trust them. They haven't burned us like the last one. But, and then... We have Chandler Zavala in the fourth round. I think a lot of people liked that pick. We thought maybe he was going to go in the third round. A lot of GMs apparently liked that pick too, according to Scott Fitterer. And Scott Fitterer seems by all accounts and purposes a very well-liked GM amongst the other NFL GMs. Is that because we haven't been successful? I don't know. It's easy to like teams that aren't good. So, but... Uh, everyone seemed to like that pick. He'll possibly, probably, I don't know, be starting at the first game of the season. Either him or Cade Mays, probably, because Corbett tore his freaking ACL near the end of the season. So he's probably not even going to be back until, I would say, probably the second quarter of the season. So the second four games. So maybe game five, six, seven in that range. Um, Frank Wright seemed to think that he would not be starting the season. So whether or not that means... The second game, the fifth game, the eighth game, we're not really sure yet. There's not an exact timetable. But please, God, let that man be back soon. It was so nice having a serviceable offensive line. And then for the fifth round, we had Jamie. Oh, my gosh. Why do I keep forgetting his last name? Robinson? Yeah, Robinson. Jamie Robinson. Jamie. J-A-M-M-I-E. Jamie. Jamie Robinson. Safety out of Florida State. Possibly a nickel. I got to say, though, y'all, you got to listen to his interview. It was great. It's a breath of fresh air. He sounds like a guy who really wants to be here for a change, which is nice. You know, all the guys drafted to the NFL. Of course, they say that they want to be here. But he really seemed excited about being here with the Panthers. And, um, you know, it's nice to hear every once in a while that someone wants to be in Charlotte instead of L.A. or Las Vegas or Dallas or wherever. So I'm very excited to have someone who's very excited. And um, he had some great quotes that I really enjoyed. He said something along the lines of, "There's I know there's not 144 guys better than me. He said that someone said, like, are you salty? And he said, salty's not, not the right word before they even finish talking. He has a little habit of interrupting people because he's so excited, I think. Might be a little rude, but, you know, he'll learn. And uh, he said, I'm not salty. I'm hurt. I'm hurt about what happened. And he said he cried yesterday. Or not yesterday. It's not yesterday. But in the second day of the draft, he cried because he didn't get picked. And then he got picked by us on the third day. So you really have to feel for a guy in that situation. You really have to empathize with someone who's like watching the clock and losing thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, I know it's hard to have sympathy for guys who are making so much money. But once you get past like the third round, they're really not making that much. I don't know what they're slotted at, but 
you know, once you get into the fifth round, it's like, it's money, but it's not necessarily like you're never going to have to worry about money again in your entire life type of money. It is certainly a great start, but you have to remember those fifth round guys, most of them, I don't, I don't know if this is, I don't have any statistics to back this up, but I feel like most of them don't make it to their second contract. I mean, you have to think it's like, they're getting older. They were projects to begin with. People took them on a flyer. And then, you know, by the time the second contract rolls around, what is that, four years? Because there's not a fifth-round option on guys outside of the first round, I think. Maybe three years, I don't remember. Um, But, you know, they don't have that next contract guaranteed um, like a lot of those first-rounders do. I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'd say, like, the percentage of first-rounders who get to their second contract is a lot more. And the first-rounders get a fifth-year option. They get a whole lot more money in those slots. Um, So... You know, I feel for those fifth-round guys who feel like they should have gone on the third or fourth. That's the difference between a lot of money in, like, once you get down to that those rounds, that little bit of money makes a big difference. I mean, the difference between one and two, you know, might be four million dollars, but you're still getting thirty, what, thirty-five million over the course of the contract in comparison to forty million. Like, you still got a few money, but in the fifth round, you know, the difference between fifth and fourth. That's a few hundred thousand dollars at least, which is a big deal when you're only making a few hundred thousand dollars to start with and you have to make that last your whole life and your average career of your NFL player is probably like four years, three, four years, maybe five if you're generous. So, you know, I really feel for the guy and I feel for someone like Will Levis who got invited in the first to go in the first round because they thought he was going to go and then he ends up not going at all and then they show his face i think i counted like 180,000 times that they showed his face and his whole family and him just kind of sitting there and you know after watching three quarterbacks go in the first round they were very very quick to show will levis sitting in the green room for the entire time and i i I do feel for that guy because that's the difference in a lot of money but i think in the long run it will work out better for him because he goes to a situation with a great running back and he doesn't have to worry about a fifth-year option. He can go ahead and jump to his second contract. And he was taken early in the second round to a good situation. So I think that for him, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not going to be picked in the top 20, then you might as well go at the top of the second round so you can go ahead and get to that second contract. And I wish him the best. I'm not going to root against any guys like Will Levis, who have been honestly just constantly bullied throughout this whole process. The whole, like, uh, mayonnaise and the coffee thing. I just think that's ridiculous. It was obviously a joke for his part. It's not like something he normally does. And then the freaking TV station showing him 100 and... I, I legitimately think it was, like, 57 times that they showed his face and, like, him being disappointed. They did the same thing with Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. It's like oh yeah let's all be nice and kind and blah 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 and then as soon as something bad happens it's like when they show those crying fans it's like why why what's the point of that what are you really trying to do there what are you trying to get across are you trying to to like what what else could it be besides just like production value and making a meme or getting someone on tv to get yourself more views It's like there's not really a good reason to show that. And, yeah, maybe show Will Levis once. You don't have to show him 56 times in the matter of three hours when 
there are 32 other guys getting picked. Show them. Show their excitement. Show what they're doing. And I did not come on this podcast today to defend Will Levis or anything about him because I have no feelings one way or the other about him. But these TV stations have always been this way. So I hope you all realize that they go to commercial every time we get a pick. And I'm getting tired of it. Every single time. The only reason they didn't go to commercial on the freaking first round pick was because we were the first overall pick and they couldn't go to commercial right after they started. So that's the only reason we got Bryce Young shown. But I swear, it's like clockwork. Every time we have a pick, it's like automatic commercial, Taco Bell, blah, blah, blah. Or like, oh, so the Panthers picked Jonathan Mingo. Anyway, Eric Stone Street, how is it? Being a Kansas City Chiefs fan, it must be awesome since you guys win all the time. Unlike the, what are their names again over there in North Carolina? I don't remember. Oh, well, next pick. Okay, what are the Chiefs doing? It's like, I like Eric Stone Street. And I also like, um, oh my gosh. Oh my God. Why am I forgetting his name? Ant-Man. What is your name, Ant-Man? I'm going to never... This is amazing the things you forget on a podcast, but either way, um, him, I love him too. He's great, and he's like a human golden retriever. He's awesome. I loved him on Hot Ones. I loved him in all of the movies that he's done outside of Ant-Man. I mean, I didn't mind Ant-Man either, but I like his comedy roles a little bit better. Anchorman, uh, I'm pretty sure he was on Knocked Up, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, role models was another good one i'm trying to name movies so i can remember who the heck what his name is oh my gosh i can't believe that anyway i'm moving on they're gonna make me hate these guys because the chiefs are the new patriots i'm just gonna say it and yes they are more likable because patrick mahomes is cooler and nicer than tom brady and complains a little bit less but honestly i'm so tired of the chiefs right now and i'm getting tired of the eagles i hate eagles fans regardless every eagles fans i've Every Eagles fan I've known, like, personally, I've liked them as a person, but when it comes to the Eagles, they're so annoying, and now they're really good, and I am quite jealous of them. They got Jalen Carter, they got, um, was it Nolan Smith, maybe? I'm at the 30th pick. Either way, it's a Georgia Bulldog. I think they've got, like, six of them on their defense now, so I am jealous of how good the Eagles are going to be, and they have a franchise quarterback locked down. And I don't wish ill will upon anyone, but man, I hope the Eagles suck. I hope they suck and they're not going to. They're going to be great and they're easily going to walk all over the NFC unless the 49ers can get their quarterback situation worked out. And I think the 49ers are really going to regret not getting this worked out. And I think they're going to regret trading up for Trey Lance because it really did cost them a lot and those draft picks you know they weren't the most valuable because they were later in the rounds because they are so good but if they had a quarterback they might have like three or more Super Bowls than they do because they have been so good and uh, yeah but they also have been able to build that team because they don't have to pay a quarterback because they all keep sucking I mean it'll be interesting to see what Jimmy Garoppolo does for the Raiders, there were talks that the Raiders tried to trade up to the first overall pick. Fitterer mentioned, or maybe Tepper mentioned them specifically as another team who tried to trade up who we were trying to beat. And Tepper basically told Fit, like, we don't go into the weekend without a deal. So, 
that's kind of how that happened. I think that's the other team that was interested. And then the Houston Texans were kind of uh, dragging their feet a little bit. And Tepper, you notice that Tepper doesn't have quite the same training in the media that maybe our front office or our coaching staff does. He doesn't get the same exposure because he was giving away a lot more information than they were and going on about things a lot more than maybe our front office. And it was honestly refreshing because our front office and our coaching staff and our players, they give a lot of the same answers of like, just another day at the office. We were looking for best player available, blah, blah, blah. We think he offers a lot to this team, et cetera, et cetera. And then David Tepper was being very honest about what they felt, what they said, what was said exactly. Um, the moment in which they kind of fell in love with Bryce Young about his workouts and his answers to things and everything. So it's nice to get that world. You know, I haven't seen an owner do quite the 180 that David Tepper has done from people not liking him to people. At this point, I wouldn't say they like him or love him, but they do tolerate him at this point. He has been very involved, and he gives good answers. He's kind of funny. You know, he tells it like it is, and he wants to win. And that last thing I mentioned is the most important thing to me. It's like none of that other stuff matters. I don't care if you're nice. I don't care if you talk to the media. I don't give a crap what you say or do as long as you're not breaking any laws or violating any other people. I just want to win. And I want an owner who prioritizes that as well. And I think that if someone like David Tepper owned the Hornets, they wouldn't suck as much as they did. I think that I hope that Michael Jordan sells his stake. I really do. And then they can finally move forward. But outside of that, I think that the Tepper family and David Tepper wants to win. And that's what matters to me. So all that other crap, that business deal with South Carolina, I don't care. You know, it's just... It's in the past. Business moves go badly sometimes. It happens. You know, maybe he didn't handle it the best. I don't I don't live there. I don't have any stake in anything. I didn't own any of the businesses that got screwed. People get screwed every day. There's nothing we could do about it. And while I don't agree with everything David Tepper does, and I don't agree with billionaires a lot of times, the fact of the matter is he wants to win. And as a Panthers fan, and solely a Panthers fan, That's all I care about in regards to the Panthers. So I hope that we actually do win some, as he says, Super Bowls. And um, then he mentioned that they were probably going to go defense in the second round. And, you know, I it was quite the smokescreen because they did not. But you have to think about it, too. We kind of gave up the ability to not reach in the third round when we made the trade for Bryce Young because... If we hadn't have traded for Bryce Young, we would have had that second uh, second round pick. And we would have been able to draft a defensive end or maybe even a defensive back if we wanted to. And um, I think that trading up for Bryce, you have to sacrifice some things. So by trading up for Bryce, we had to sacrifice a, had to sacrifice a sure pick in the end of the second round, early third round, that that last second round pick basically i mean the 49ers were i think basically fourth from the bottom so third from the bottom so almost early third rounder late second rounder either way uh we did that hey excuse me oh that's the kind of thing i would edit out if i had a team with me but i do not so enjoy that sneeze um 
But by trading up for Bryce Young, you limit yourself in other places. Yes, we get our franchise quarterback, but we don't have the ability to draft the guys that we want to draft because we've run out of picks. And people were saying, draft or trade up and get this guy, especially the tight end from Georgia. Why? Why do so many? It's like all y'all get on social media, not y'all, because you listen to this podcast, you have a brain. But all the people on social media saying, trade up, trade up for Darnell Washington. Get the tight end. He's amazing. He's a beast. It's like he had bad medical reports, people. He dropped to 93 for a reason. And we don't have, tight end is not a need for us. We've got Hayden Hurst, a pass-catching tight end. We've got Tommy Trimble and Ian Thomas blocking tight ends. And Tommy Trimble can catch. Where would Washington even play? What would, what is that? Like, I don't understand what the obsession is about this guy because he, that what the game against Oregon where they won 58 to zero, he jumped over a dude and was really hard to tackle. Yeah, that happens in college football. Welcome to the NFL. He may never see his second contract either. He was in at the end of the third round for a reason. So take that for what you will. I am not worried about that pick and you know I think also for a lot of people it would have been a little bit easier to stomach if it would have been a guy who people wanted but the DJ Johnson pick kind of came out of nowhere Um, you know it's this guy that not many people have heard of he went to Oregon and they got like in the Pac-12 especially in North Carolina we don't see a whole lot of the Pac-12 we don't watch much Pac-12 football because, frankly, we don't get it on TV unless it's one of the major programs since they're all the way across the country. So the only time we see them is when they're losing to an SEC school on ABC. So that's really the only time we get to see the Pac-12. So it's not a surprise that no one knows who he is. And then also, it's like he was not mocked anywhere. We hadn't heard of him. And people need to let go of the mocks, okay? Let go of the mocks. I think people are... Like, they conflate fantasy football and actual football. And the mocks in fantasy football of, like, where you should take guys are much more realistic because they are directed at the people who play the game. And it's based off of humans and, like, quantifiable objective statistics and points. Whereas real football is chosen by people who have information you do not. In fantasy football... We all have the same information. We all have the same resources. You may pay for an extra service. You may get some draft board from the athletic like I do. Whatever it may be. But generally speaking, we all have about 90% of the same information. In real football and the actual football draft with professionals, we have about 50% of the information. And then the front office and our coaching staff has the other 50% of information that we've never even seen. All this bullcrap at the Combine, not real. All of this S2 test leak stuff, not a big deal. The things that matter are the things that we aren't even allowed to see. The things that they don't put on Panthers Confidential. And if our defensive coordinator is excited about DJ Johnson... And already coaching him up over the phone. That was hilarious. I don't remember who it was. Maybe Tepper said like, or maybe Frank Reich, were you ready to get the quarterback? And then <laughs> Avero got on the phone and it was immediately, we got to set the edge before we get the quarterback. So 
I love that. I also love him. You know, I really hope that he gets a head coaching job soon. Uh, maybe after a year or two with the Panthers, I think that he is going to be set up very well for success. I like Thomas Brown a lot. I got to say, I love this coaching staff. I am in love with this coaching staff and I'm in love with this front office. They're all really awesome people. They seem like great guys and I want them to succeed so bad, so bad. I want them to succeed. And I know that being a good person does not get you wins and it means absolutely nothing, but it sure does make it a lot easier to cheer for a team in which you love the staff. And I really do. And I never felt this way about Matt Rule. He never really had time to kind of get in our good graces because, well, one, one thing that is currently happening that he would not allow is basically like, what what is the word, like PR for our coaches? Like they're doing all these fun like games and interviews and stuff. And they're going on shows like The Pivot and other podcasts and like they're doing media and like basically, you know, it's like whenever you're getting a politician like warmed up to his constituents, that's what it feels like. And that's okay in this situation. I'm I'm excited about it. And that's one thing that Matt Rule wouldn't allow was that to happen because he controlled all of the media. And now that Frank Reich is basically like, I'm a football coach. What the heck do I care about social media? I was born 45 years before it was even a thing. I think he, he's, I always debate on his age on this show, and I look it up later. I think he's 61, I think, is what I finally figured out. Uh, but either way, he's an older guy. He doesn't care about the social media business. He did his interview from his daughter's house uh, when he first came here. So uh, Matt Rule was controlling everything and never allowed them to do these types of things. So he never got that exposure. So the only exposure we had to him was three losing seasons and a terrible run of games. And you know, that's that's what happens. And um, I never really had the the desire to root for him. Even seeing a training pa- camp with the um, DBO sign, the don't beat ourselves sign, you see it and you're like, that feels like a very college move, Matt. And you hear about the disrespect on the team. You're like, yep, this is definitely a college coach. And then you hear his press conferences and you're like, yep, we've got a college coach. We're screwed. And uh, I don't get that feeling here because, you know, it is the second go around. Frank Reich said it himself. We've got a lot of talented players, so I'm not going to judge the front office on their draft picks. I don't do that. You know, I'm excited about them because I'm a Panthers fan. I'm going to support them no matter what. And right now it really is easier to support them. But I'm going to judge this front office on the product on the field. You know, if DJ Johnson doesn't work out, but we still have a good product, then I will still be excited about it and hope for next season. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to judge them based off of numbers or projections or mock drafts or college production. They're NFL players now. They're Carolina Panthers now. So the only thing that matters is when they put on that black and blue helmet and hopefully not that white uniform. God, if we wear white 11 more times this year, I'm going to be so sad. Uh, but um, I digress. I don't care about any of that. I don't care about the trades, the free agency signings. None of it matters. It doesn't. It's nice to hear about. It's nice news for me to talk about being a daily podcast. I've got to have something to talk about. But at the end of the day, it's about the product on the field and the number in the win column. That's the only two things that matter. So I will not judge this front office until I see the product on the field. If we see progression and we like what we see and we start winning games, I will be pleased with the front office. If it's the opposite, 
I won't. You know, it's that easy. So stop pretending like you know anything or you're better than our front office or our coaching staff. You're not. And I think that, especially this DJ Johnson pick, this is the chance for them to prove it, that we can trust them. Because if this works out, oops, sorry, hit my desk. I always do. If this works out, then they gain our trust. If it doesn't, that's a setback. And Scott Fitterer might be in a little bit of trouble, especially if this season goes awry and we finish 5-12 and 12 or 6-11, and 11, whatever it may be. So, But uh, the NFC South is wide open. And this, the whole season is really wide open. The whole... NFL outside of like the top two spots, top three spots. I mean, there's really in the NFC, there's two teams better than everyone else. And then the rest is up for debate. Maybe the Cowboys and Vikings are up there, but again, they don't scare me that much. And then, you know, outside of that top four, it's really open, but outside of the top two is open. So I think there's a great chance for us to take advantage of that. And I'm excited about the future of the Panthers for the first time in a long time. I will talk to you all later. See you tomorrow. Bye.